Welcome, welcome, welcome back to the Up the Spurs podcast. My name is Cooper, and today I am by myself. Today I'd like to review the Brentford uh, draw that occurred earlier and talk a little bit about the future of Spurs. But before I do that, I'd like to paint a picture. There is a artist. We'll say he is a painter. And he has a lovely studio. It's just absolutely beautiful. It's got all that you could ever need in it. Uh, he sits down at it, a chair in front of his easel. And his easel is top of the line, brand new. It's got the highest quality parchment ready to be painted on. He also has a beautiful brush uh, that is made from perfect horsehair, but his paints are not the highest quality oil. We'll say maybe they're cheap watercolors that you buy from a, in the States, we call it a Hobby Lobby or something like that, but uh, I don't know what they would call it in the UK. Uh, think of like a Waitrose or something like that, but for arts and crafts. So the painter could be a brilliant painter and the studio could be perfect. The easel and the parchment could be perfect. But if the paint is no good, is the portrait really going to be the best that it could possibly be? And I bet you know where I'm going with this. Uh, the painter is obviously Conte, a high top world-class manager. The parchment being the stadium, the easel being the stadium, the studio being uh, training facilities, the youth academy. Well, actually, let's not throw in the youth academy to that. <laughs> um, <clears throat> but everything is perfectly set in place. But when you have the paint not being high quality, i.e. the players in this situation, it's not really going to be worth it in the end, now is it? I think the frustrating part about all of this is we have everything we need in place but there is a time stamp on all of it there's a limit Kane, son are both 29 and 30 respectively and they only have maybe three more years at this prime level Kane, of course i think could drop further down into midfield and be just fantastic as a creator but sunny not so much. And you can see that once they leave, what's really our identity? And I know some had a really poor match against Brentford, but I'll get to that later. I just, <clears throat> I'm a little worried in that sense. So let's talk Brentford. Uh, I went into this match thinking no Rodrigo, no Richarlison, no Loris, no Romero. Coming off a World Cup uh, event that was great and biased aside, I'd love to see Messi win. And I was also happy for Romero in that sense and a little sad for Lloris. But I thought it's Brentford away from home. Uh, we drew them, I believe, 0-0 last season. And I thought maybe it's possible that we walk out of this with a win. Maybe Kane has a vengeance about him uh, from that penalty miss, but uh, I think it's I think it's a one zero victory or something, and all of that 
kind of collapsed in on itself when I saw the starting 11. I didn't really understand uh, Tanganga in the starting 11. I, I don't really agree with it, but I guess he's better on the ball than Sanchez. So that's the only way I can think of uh, if I'm getting into Conte's head. Maybe also I know he performed well against uh, Nice and maybe Conte just wanted that ball carrying uh, center back on the right side. Um, I don't know. I do also want to give a lot of credit to Perisic who played as long as Lloris did uh, and Romero and still came back to start. I think it was nine days after the final uh, or the third place match. And just want to give him a lot of credit for that because I thought he was fantastic um, for most of the game. But there, there really wasn't a lot of hope <laughs> when I saw that starting 11. I was happy to see Darty. Uh, at right wing back and no Emerson, but um, it wasn't wasn't the brightest brightest confidence. And from the get go, we were kind of put on our back foot. Brentford pressed high, uh, and Tony is just a really big physical presence. And kind of you knew what he was going to do the entire time. Like get stuck into uh, Dyer on long balls or kind of try to uh, influence Tanganga um, to, into making a mistake because of his immaturity, even though I think he's, what, 23 or something like that. Uh, it's just, I think it's kind of sad that he isn't um, as well-versed as he should be at this point. I will admit I was happy to see uh, Fraser Forrester uh, get a start today because I think was this his second match he's played other than the Forest uh, Carabao Cup match? So I, I was happy to see him get some minutes. And I, I didn't think he was awful. Uh, I thought he was lukewarm, just like most of the other performances. Um, <clears throat> but it kind of all just went downhill uh, in the 15th minute where a, I think Tanganga lost a header and a ball came in and can't remember who exactly shot it, uh, but it deflected off a long lay and Forrester was caught flat-footed. It looked awkward and uh, Yanalt just popped it right into the back of the net and <laughs> all the confidence that could have possibly occurred uh, in the lead up to the match was thrown out immediately and we were down 1-0 away from home uh, to a I don't want to call Brentford a hostile environment, but they were given some stick to Kane from his uh, penalty miss in the World Cup. And it seemed like all would uh, go downhill from there. And I don't feel like we really created many chances in the first half. It kind of went by in a flash. And before I knew it, it was second half and we were down 2-0 uh, after a, a Tony goal on a corner from a dire a really dire dire mistake and I don't know how it went out for a corner uh, with that ball just lofted in the air you'd want him to just you know put your foot through it but he just mishit it and <clears throat> went out for a corner Brentford put in a ball I think Snorgard flicked it on <laughs> and it just squirmed through past I believe it was Longley 
And Tony was just there to pop it in the back of the net and two, two nil down. I, I didn't really have many words at that point. Um, it was the sixth time in the last, I believe, nine matches that we've conceded twice or gone two nil down. I don't think it's two nil down. I think it's conceded twice. And the ninth match in a row that we had been down 1-0 at one point, which is the longest in Conte's career. And it's just kind of embarrassing. I, I don't really have any words for it because I don't know exactly what's really going wrong. I mean, you could, of course, call out the quality of the players, but I don't want to scapegoat that. And I'll get into Conte after the match, but we're, we're slowly creeping up on a crossroads. And that's a little scary in that sense. I hope we can figure it out, but I'm not sure that we will. But like I said, I'll touch on that later. The last <clears throat> 30 minutes of the game were pretty high quality, in my opinion. I thought we were really good going forward. And it seems like that's the only way that we score nowadays. <laughs> we have to concede uh, to really get going. And you almost wonder, why can't we just start like that? And I know that question has been asked a thousand times. I know Conte is a pragmatic manager, but I just, I just wonder what would happen if we started on the front foot. Maybe press high or just really take it to them. I know their long balls were really frustrating us, especially with the physicality of Tony, who I would like to add. <laughs> How's this guy playing? He's got, what, 232 betting charges against us. And it's the most Spurs thing that the guy with all of these betting charges against him, who has until January to respond, scores against us it's just <clears throat> just ridiculous <laughs> um but good news Kane scored um, around the 65th minute on a fantastic header from a fantastic cross from Longley and it was kind of the catalyst that we needed because I believe Conte was about to make a triple change which included Pape Matosar coming on <laughs> and I love Sar. I think he's a great player, but that signaled to me that it's over. Let's let's pack up bags and uh, save the save the legs for Villa. But that goal got us to two to one, and it felt like we could potentially make a run for it, and we did, thanks to arguably our best player this match, Kuluzewski, and I would argue potentially uh, of the past twelve months, Kuluzewski or Bentinker have just been vital to this team and I wonder where we would be without them. Kuzevsky uh, had a great combination with I think Doherty on the right and slotted it across to Hoiberg who was very patient and pocketed I believe his fifth goal <laughs> of the season and I don't know how many men uh, Bentinker has I think it's two or three but we talked all the time last year the year before about goals coming from unlikely sources or sources that just really need to start stepping up, i.e. center backs, central midfielders, wing backs. And it finally started to click uh, this season, in particular with Hoiberg, who 
I believe in an interview, mentioned that Conte wanted him to shoot more. And we're finally starting to see that. And it's nice to reap the benefits of it. That got us to 2-2. We hit the post later on. uh, And it kind of fizzled out as a 2-2 match. Potentially, we could have had a penalty before they scored their second on a Ben Mee potential foul on Kane. I I think it was a foul. It's definitely a foul outside the box, but you know how it is with its being inside of the box. I know people say it's a foul outside, it's a foul inside. I think Kane's also grabbing Ben Mee, so I don't know if it's necessarily a penalty. I think if the ref gives it, VAR doesn't overturn it which is really frustrating that the referee doesn't give it and VAR doesn't uh, overturn that. So I, I just know <clears throat> in the next week or so, a similar similar penalty is going to occur like that. It's going to be given uh, probably for Arsenal or Man United or Chelsea or something like that. But <laughs> that's, that's kind of how it ended, uh, 2-2. And it was a little... A little uh, relief that I felt from it finishing at 2-2 because originally I thought at 1-0, just bring it back to 1-1. Maybe we can go from there. But when it was 2-0, I thought maybe make it respectable. But we're probably going to walk away with no points. But bringing it back to 2-2, I think once again shows the determination that these players have but it's frustrating that it never seems like we can do that from the start. Uh, Conte talked afterward, I believe a question from Ali Gold occurred, uh, him asking about center backs. Conte said he doesn't feel like he needs center backs now that Tanganga is back from a knee injury. And <clears throat> I can't imagine lining up against AC Milan in February without a new center back. It just baffles me. Longley, Dyer, and Romero. Probably that's our starting center backs. And there was a tweet earlier today saying the back six, uh, the back five plus the goalkeeper, cost a combined $20 million for Tottenham Hotspur. I will let that sit for a second. That is what championship clubs spend on defenders. It's just, I know Tanganga, homegrown, Longley's on loan, but they're supposed to be backup options. And I know if Romero's in there, it makes a difference, but you can't just have one high-quality center back that you think improves all three. You need at least two, at least. And Dyer's been at this club for eight years. He's a great player. I love him a lot, but I think it's probably best that we just part ways. I know he's getting stick from fans, and it's just, it doesn't seem like it's healthy anymore. And I, I think he's a good backup option, but the best barometer that I can find for not just Eric Dyer, let's say any of the center backs that played today. So Tanganga, Dyer, Longley, Davies, and Sanchez, 
do any of them start for top six teams? No, they do not. Flat out, no, they do not. Do they start for top eight? Probably not. Uh, top 10? Maybe. Maybe Dyer gets into a team or Longley, but <laughs> no. Like, I bet Dyer starts for Brentford and is a very competent player. He starts for Leeds and is a very great player for them. But Brighton, I, I, I don't think right now Dyer starts for Brighton, as bad as that sounds. I just, I just don't. And you just wonder what the heck's happened. We, we were in the Champions League final four years ago. What happened? I don't know. It's just really sad. <clears throat> it's a really sad fall. But let's let's focus on some positives. Um, it's point away from home, uh, so we equal what we had last season. Um, that's I think the only positive, along with Kane scoring, kind of maybe getting the monkey off his back uh, from that penalty miss. And I do want to add. I know Kane has received <laughs> some hate mail uh, from fans. I won't even call them fans. We'll call them uh, citizens of England. And I just think that's despicable. It's, it's not on the level of the Saka, Rashford, and Sancho abuse, um, which was just absolutely vile and disgusting. But the amount of blood, sweat, and tears that Kane has given the country of England um, as the arguably greatest striker for the national team ever to get the reception that he gets is just horrible. And I fear if he were to go to a, another club, maybe let's say Man U, and he were to not succeed as much I I just don't think he'll be loved like he is at Spurs. And I really fear for that, for his mental health. I don't want to be too dramatic, but you just never know. Let's talk, let's talk transfers. With Conte saying that we don't need a center back, <clears throat> that's a little worrying. And Apologies, I have a, a cold, so I'm trying to fight that with congestion. Uh, so if I'm clearing my throat a lot, <laughs> I, uh, I apologize. We don't need center backs, but I'd argue we need two high-quality center backs in January. It won't happen, so I'm not getting my hopes up. Uh, there's been rumors that we've been looking at Pedro Porro from Sporting. I think he has a $45 million release clause which immediately puts us out of the running as embarrassing as that is. Cause I feel like Levy has already said he doesn't need, uh, he, he won't provide uh, funds in January, uh, which is a little embarrassing. So I, I don't know. I think January is going to be a big breaking point for two reasons. One uh, let's look at the fixtures that we have coming up in January. So we have Aston Villa at home on the 1st, 
followed by Crystal Palace away. And then we have the FA Cup match at home against Portsmouth, followed by a home match on the North London Derby against Arsenal. Then we are away to City and away to Fulham. And then let's actually bleed into uh, February. We're home to Man City, so just a uh, two- or three-week gap, playing them twice. We're away to Leicester, who has picked up form. Uh, then we are away to Milan, home to West Ham, home to Chelsea to round out February. Those two months are make or break for the rest of the season. We have one, two, three, four matches against the top six, uh, two at home, two away. And I don't have a great feeling about it right now, especially if we do not have any reinforcements come in. It's also a, a breaking point for transfers. If, if we stand still, we're going to be left further behind uh, Arsenal, who is flying at the top of the table. And it hurts to say, but they look great. <laughs> They've played some good teams too. And I just, uh, I don't see them really slowing down. City improving. Um, they also already have a monster squad, so I wouldn't expect them to have anything less. Chelsea just signed Nkunku, according to Fabrizio Romano. And they are looking at uh, Badashile from Monaco, who's a fantastic left center back, who I think could really do a job for us. They're also looking at Vardiol. Uh, Arsenal's looking at Mudrik. And before I continue, I don't want to put in the notion that we are going to be shelling out $80 million for a player in January. That just won't happen. Uh, Kulusevsky and Bentinger at the time were combined fifteen or twenty million. If I count the five million dollar uh, loan for Kulusevsky, and they revitalized our season uh, last year. Will that happen again this year? I don't think so. <laughs> um, but I think we at least need to take that chance on two players at least. Uh, we need another attacking option. I, I think we're fine on central midfielders. We need to figure out what the heck's going on with Spence, uh, Emerson, and Doherty, who don't really start for any top 10 team in the league. We need new center backs, uh, two at least, probably three. And we're going to need a Lloris successor soon. So there's a lot of work that needs to be done. And all of it's not going to be done in January. We did some okay work in the summer. <clears throat> I think most of Paratici's signings have hit. Uh, Emerson being the one that really has not. Um, but it's it's going to be a process. Um, a tweet I'm reading actually just came in from Ali Gold. And it says, Tottenham uh, can't keep operating in this way uh, because it hasn't worked for 20 years now. It hasn't produced titles or silverware. It's produced one League Cup. And that's on Enoch. That's on Levy. That's also on us as a club, uh, as the players that play. Um, we haven't been good enough, but you can't blame it on just one thing. It's a whole, it's a whole system. We all work together for the betterment of the club, and it's just not working right now. I, I'm not Enoch out. I'm not Enoch in. 
you know, I, I think people would argue that if I'm not Enoch out, I'm Enoch in. Um, I just think they could be doing so much more. And the time to do it was two years ago, three years ago. It's just sad that we haven't. So in January, a lot needs to be done. Um, <clears throat> but here's, here's where the main meat of the conversation comes in. Conte. Conte is running low. I think six months left on his contract. And Conte will not sign a new contract with Spurs unless he is properly backed. <laughs> will that happen? That's not the question. Because I think we all know the answer. Maybe. Spurs do not want to provide Conte the funds and the backing unless he is fully committed to Spurs, i.e. signing the contracts. But you see where the problem occurs. That's, that's the two-way conversation that's happening. But then we add in a third funnel to that, and that's Kane. 18 months left on his contract, turning 30 in July. Does Kane really want to be here for the rest of his career? Or does he want to head up to Man U and <laughs> try and win a few League Cups, an FA Cup, potentially European silverware before his career kind of ends? And if I'm Kane, I want to win something. And can you do that at Spurs? No, I don't think you can do that right now. Yes, we have Conte. We've got a great. Uh, training facility. We have great easels and rooms and painters, but we don't have the paint. And I don't know when we will have that. I guess this pod is just me venting. And if you made it this far in the pod, uh, congratulations. And you have seen me reach my breaking point on Spurs. And I just feel like I'm venting and talking now. But um, I don't know. It's going to be an interesting January and February. I'd love to see Pedro Porro come into the squad. I think he'd make a massive difference. Really aid uh, Kulusevski going forward. I don't know if he's my number one target. Um, I think Conte doesn't like him because of his physicality and defensive um, abilities. I think Conte likes big, strong wingbacks, and Pedro Porro is not that. He's a crafty, pacey, wand of a right foot uh, wing back. And I think that would really just push us forward, but don't know if it's going to happen. I really, really don't know. I don't want to end the pod on a negative note. So let's talk Villa match coming up. It's going to be a doozy. Uh, Villa last loss to Liverpool, three to one. And with Unai Emery, they look like a different team. I think they look a lot better than under Gerard, but I think anyone would. <laughs> Changing managers like that. Um, it's at home. We'll potentially have Romero back and Lloris, but we don't know. Romero could uh, still be getting fit. I, I don't know. I, I don't want to. Oh, I'll leave it there. <laughs> but... Uh, Big matchup coming up, and I think we have enough to take Villa down. I think my wish list for this match is to keep a clean sheet uh, and even 
even other than keep a clean sheet, don't concede first. I'd love to put a goal away in the 15th minute or earlier and go from there. I, I think we have a good enough team to be able to do that, but it all depends on how we set up for that match. I think we go with a very similar starting 11 that uh, we did against Brentford, Barr, Lloris coming in for Forrester, Romero coming in for Tanganga. And I'd possibly say Bentinger maybe comes in for Basuma if he's healthy enough. I don't think he will be. Maybe he comes off the bench, but we'll see from there. But I think every other player stays the same. Uh, actually, I think maybe Doherty doesn't start and maybe goes with Emerson. I don't know why, but maybe. And Villa are a good team. They have some really quality players, but just looking at them at the whole, uh, Mings and Digne, along with uh, Maddie Cash, I don't think that's really as uh, threatening as it should be as a back line. Um, they've got some quality in uh, midfield in Douglas Louise, but other than that, I'm not too afraid of them. It's it's just that I feel as if Unai Emery is going to set them up really well, and uh, that might ruin us just a little bit. I don't think there's anything else I want to say in particular about the match or Spurs as a whole right now, but I will leave you with this. It's going to be a rough January. <clears throat> You're going to see a lot of rumors. <laughs> You're going to see a lot of in-the-know uh, people, ITKs, especially on Twitter um, or wherever you get your news for Spurs. I would just like to caution you, do not believe any of them. They don't know what they're talking about. The only sources that I would believe uh, would be the Tottenham Tears account uh, on Twitter and probably uh, Alistair Gold and Paul O'Keefe. And that's it. Paul O'Keefe might lean into that ITK. zone just a little bit i might contradict myself but he's a agent that knows a fair amount and he only shares information when he's certain on it so trust those three sources don't trust any of these people in the twitter spaces uh that claim that they know a family member of someone and that's what they heard through another person through another person uh, about why things are kicking off don't believe them save yourself and you know maybe take a mental health check and don't look so much into uh into those twitter rumors whatever happens is going to happen we have big matches coming up and we need to uh, support the lads and go on from there if uh if we do potentially bring in some high quality players that'd be great but I don't know if it's going to happen. So I'd like to caution everyone in that sense and just be a part of the ride. It's going to be rough, but it's going to be a ride. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, We will be back for the Villa game, potentially 
have a pod out on the second or the third. We'll see from there. But really appreciate you listening if you got this far. If not, no worries. You didn't hear this anyways. As always, up the spurs. And I will talk to you all soon.